It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Home of the 10K toy giveaway, Quark's 96 FM. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. He goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. I was snapping, like. She is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from the issue. It's so important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Maybe a nice Christmas present now. Someone bought you a chipper for Christmas. <laughs> For buy your KCs. I was asking himself actually this morning, is he buying a chipper? And he said, No, I'm not buying a chipper. KCs. There's some great stories, you know, about KC's chipper in Douglas. There was a great character who used to work there and, and he died a few years ago. His name was Pat. He was a big man and he wore big glasses in behind the counter and he had a big laugh. The laugh was bigger than himself. So you'd be passing KCs of a night, any night you like, and you always knew that Pat was working because you'd hear him laughing. Ha, 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 ha. He had a huge laugh. Always remember him. Always. And there's another story about KCs as well that you mightn't remember. Well, you probably won't remember because it was 1958. I don't remember it either. I was told it afterwards. And you wouldn't believe it. The Crawford family, uh, the Casey's people, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And when they opened in 1958, a priest got on the altar in the church in Douglas and told people not to go there. They didn't listen. (laughs) So there was a queue around the corner the following night. But that's a true story. There was a priest went on the altar in 1958 in Douglas and said to people, don't go, don't go there, don't go there. Because they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, I wish them well in the sale. They're likeable people. They're nice people. They've run a great business in Co- in, in Douglas for, for many a long day now. I remember asking Wesley one time, Wesley Crawford, why you didn't open a chain of them? And he said, well, why would I? Why would I? This place got it right first time. Let's see who buys and owns KC. And I tell you, the people of Douglas will rise up in arms if it's not treated well by its new owners. 0818 96 96 96. Good morning to you. 
Text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We don't normally do these, but this came in overnight. And what a horrible thing to happen to anybody with uh, less than six weeks to Christmas. My daughter lost her wallet just after quarter past three on Tuesday last, the 15th November. She was walking home from Brown Thomas, had the purse in a paper bag, a Brown Thomas shopping bag. It started to rain. She didn't notice the bag was weak and because of the rain, it developed a hole. There's a good sum of money in the purse and a reward was on offer. She's really upset and hasn't had a good time Lately, so I'm hoping somebody might hand it in. Please contact Anglesey Street Garda Station if you should find it. And we have more detail if you came across that. So it's a lost wallet. We don't know what direction she was walking in, but someone left Brown Thomas carrying a shopping bag with her wallet in it. There was rain, the wallet got wet, or the bag got wet, you know yourself, and it fell out somewhere, and there was a good few quid in it. So if anybody came across that in or around Brown Thomas in the last few days we've got more details and we can put you in touch with the person who owns that wallet 0818 96 96 96 do you know what I was looking at my diary and my notes from last year uh, from 2021 from October 2021 and I was looking over the interview I did back then with John Paul Ricken Um, they were in Australia John Paul was in Australia with Susan and the two kids and Susan had been taken to hospital and given a terrible diagnosis of terminal bowel cancer and they were trying to raise some money for treatment and they were trying to get her parents over there and there was I spoke to John Paul and he was very nervous but we spoke about meeting and you know going out together and taking a chance on going to Australia for a year and that had been 10 years before that they were together 15 years and she'd had this terrible diagnosis out of the blue in her 30s very young woman to be diagnosed with bowel cancer and they thought that they might get a little while longer Um, shocked I was shocked certainly to hear barely three weeks I think after that interview barely three or four weeks after that interview to hear that Susan had passed away and when I was going over my notes the other day, I was absolutely surprised to realise that this Saturday, the day after tomorrow, is her first anniversary. And I could hardly believe it when I was looking back. I was looking for something else entirely from last year, and I came across that interview with John Paul. And you could have knocked me down with a feather when I realised that... Um, that it was her anniversary this Saturday. Time to catch up, I think, once again with John Paul, who since then has come home and set up the Susan Ricken Foundation. I couldn't believe it was a year, John Paul. Morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, it's her anniversary on Saturday. Um, yeah, it's, I'm the same as you. I can't believe it's a year already since... Um, I remember talking to you when we were in the hospital. That's right. When uh, Susan was in the hospital, she was still alive at the time. Um, I remember chatting to you then, and yeah, here we are now, a year later already. It's, uh, it's crazy, like, but uh, not too bad in getting there, as I said, slowly but surely, you know. And at the time, you thought you might get a Christmas out of it, or even a little bit longer, but 
Mother Nature had different plans. Well, when I was talking to you at that time, um, we thought we might have years. Um, we didn't really add a, a time limit then. Like, as I said, she only went in on the 19th of October. And, uh, like, from when when we had that phone call, she died two weeks after I, I was Gosh. talking to her. Um, so I went pretty quick, you know. Um, yeah. So we, like, it was in the blink of an eye, really. We didn't have really much time between our interview and by the time I uh, had the funeral on the 5th of December yeah. yeah so it went pretty quick all in all you know now you came home at the end of January that was her wish wasn't it yes well I didn't get Susan or like our health deteriorated like rapidly and uh, we didn't um get a whole lot of conversation in and a whole lot but a couple of things that I did get out of her um, towards the last days was um, I asked her what to do like with the children and do I stick in Australia or do I head home and that was her wish to come back to Cork and surround the children with their families and um, so like there was that was the minute she said that there was no, no other option really but to um to come back to Cork, you know. Yeah, you'd settled yeah. there, and and you were happy there. But Cork is always home. Well, what is like as it's like like me and Susan were together fifteen years, and like ten of them were in Australia. So it was the bulk of our relationship alone was in Australia. We we were settled. We we had a grand life there. We were happy. Um, but things changed then. You know, it's. Um, I had a lot of friends, but friends on our family, you know, and exactly. uh, they, yeah. So it's and as you just said, like Cork will always be home, like you know, and um, the kid they have the love here and they have the support, and I have the support here as well. Yeah, yeah, which now, is uh, which is important. Yeah, Leo is what three now? Is it three? Leo is three. Yeah, Leo was three in June, um, and. Lucy was one in March, so Lucy's nineteen months now, twenty months, and yeah, uh, yeah Leo's three. Yeah, how's how's Leo managing without mummy? Um, he, you know, he he's he's settled a lot better. Um, it was very hard at the beginning. The first couple of months was very um, difficult. All right, you know, he's um, like when he goes to any parties or daycare or anything you know he he sees all the other kids around their own mammies and yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a process like he he's wondering where his mammy is you know but um as i've, I've told him like the best i could explain to him is that she's uh, in the moon and the stars and uh he, he he grasped the concept of that but you know he's getting a bit older now like he's he, he asks more questions mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as time goes, the older he gets, the more curious he's going to get. Like, but um, you know, I've just prepared myself for that. But he's 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 not too bad. Good. He's he's a lot better than what he was anyway. Good. And was Lucy kind of too small, or or what? Yeah, Lucy. Lucy was only seven months old. Um, yeah, so Susan only gave birth to her in March. That's right. Of last year, yeah. So it was only seven months between. Given birth to Lucy and uh, the diagnosis in hospital, so um, she sees pictures now. She see I have a picture of her and 
Susan in her bedroom and I have a picture of Leo and Susan in his room so like they they kiss the pictures goodnight now every night before bed and she, but she she knows now so she calls uh, Susan Mama I know you know when she yeah. sees the photos yeah. Um, but yeah she, she's a bit too young really yeah 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 now when you came home John Paul you, you set about putting together the, the Susan Ricken Foundation because like like you've been saying, we screen way too old for bowel cancer. Yeah, well, like, in Ireland, it's 60 to 69. The concept here is the bowel cancer is uh, an all-person disease. The HSC have statistics online that 9 out of 10 uh, patients are over 60s, 70s, and it's that's not true at all. It's... Um, I set up the foundation page um, just like with I was just uh, Susan was 35 I was wondering how a healthy mother at that age could have got it and when I set it up there was only me and Susan I didn't have any idea what bowel cancer was but when I did the foundation page I was just getting message after message after message around the world of um, people with similar stories um, uh, in the, and that age, 30s, 20s, 40s, 50s, um, and it's it's a big problem, right? You go into a GP uh, anywhere, and if you have symptoms, you put in your stool, uh, irregular bowel movements, you're concerned. A lot of people have said that the GP has dismissed them because they're too young. Um, I mean the, the the law and the mandatory here is 60 to 69 so why should uh, they look at a 30 year old and say well yeah. there's nothing in the manual that says uh, you, you shouldn't have it like it's it's um, it can't be possible but it is possible I had a guy text me the other day his um, his sister was 16 in 2013 16. she died when she was 20 16 16 she died when she was 20 years old my god um I had another lady she's 38 she's uh, stage 3 at the moment uh doing chemo radiation she got diagnosed when she was 36 did you have a friend and as well got diagnosed my friend yeah it's funny enough when um uh, everything was going on I've done interviews I actually forgot about my buddy and he was actually before even Susan got sick uh, he was sending me voicemails while I lived in Australia telling me about oh, his diagnosis and how scary I was and how scary he was and all that and uh, he's uh, he's 38 actually he was diagnosed when he was 36 yeah. uh, he was stage 1 but thankfully they they got it before it got too serious so he's been given the all clear now um, thank god um, there's over 5,000 followers I think on the Facebook page now the foundation has a big following and I think uh, you've been shocked by the number of people that have come forward Susan's crazy. age and younger like it's crazy it's like when I started it as I said like it was just 
in Susan's honour, you know, just to keep her memory alive. But the amount of people that have uh, opened up and told their own stories, it's like people get um, a bit of courage and a bit of bravery from what I'm doing. And then they they tell their own stories and um, it's good, it's comforting yeah. when you know when someone has been through what you've been through, it's easy to talk because they're on your level, you know, and uh, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been really, it's been mind blowing really the amount of um, people and the messages like it's just the support of people all over the country. Yeah, and you're oh, hoping yeah. that, and you're hoping that, you know, HSE or the minister or someone, politician somewhere, might say, actually, he's right. Let's look at this. Well, I was on, uh, so I've been talking with uh, Mick Barry, and in fairness to Mick, he, he's he been in contact with me, and uh, in July, he actually brought it up in the dial with uh, the Minister of Health, uh, Stephen Donnelly. So even on the foundation page, there's a... Uh, there's a video section of it. It's in the leader's questions there, so he brought it up. Um, again, like you only have one, you only have like a minute to yeah. uh, get your question and obviously get an answer back. Like he's trying to get a time slot back in the dial again to bring it back up again. Would you, would you like to meet Minister Donnelly and have a chat with him maybe? I think so. Uh, definitely down the line. Um, the most important thing for me at the moment is... Um, I'm in contact now with the Irish Cancer Society and I was talking to a member of the advocacy team last night. Yes. So I'm, uh, and they're going to get me, um, I'm going to get involved with their communications team and they're going to try to get a, like a press release and get my name out there. So, Do you know when, when I contacted you first, when Susan was sick, remember you saying to me that you weren't much of a man for interviews or communications like that? That's right. This, this is one big change, John Paul. What is unreal? It's um, I was saying like yeah, it's part of my life. No, it's like um, like we all have uh, topics now that define our lives. We could oh, we have sport and you might whatever job you're doing, but this is my job now, and unfortunately, this is my topic of life. No, it's bowel cancer and mm. campaigning and talking to the likes of you. Um, yeah. Like this is it's like a professional in a yeah. funny way, but you're doing you're doing you're doing a fine job, fella. Come here, how are you, John Paul? How are you? I'm I'm um, I'm I'm good. I'm um, like the start of the the start of uh, the return. I was in no man's land, really. I was uh, struggling at the start as to you know, like when I say to people, like I lost my wife. But I lost my life, really, in Australia. I lost my independence. You know, I live with Susan's parents now. Um, uh, so I lost the house, lost my car, we lost everything. So it was very hard readjusting mm. when I came back. Um, you know, from schools to, like, the whole, the kids needed new PPS numbers. Everything was very hard at the start. But um, I'm in a lot better place now, and doing this doing this campaign and talking to people like yourself mm. it's it's part of the kind of healing process really and uh, I'm passionate about it it's, it's what I want to do and yeah. uh, it's good it gives me a bit of peace of mind you know and yeah. uh, what do you think she'd say to you about it 
Susan, she yeah. probably kissed. She probably, she probably be giving out to me. I'd say, <laughs> <laughs> if if they can easier seasons, would you? Nah, but you know, like on all jokes aside, mm. what I always remember is, um, and as I said, I was taught, I was reading the Vicky Feeling one yesterday, and where I was on about the Deborah James one, and them women what they did. I reckon Susan would have been the similar to the two of them. Uh, if she had more time, I mean, she encouraged me to talk to her from the hospital bed. Yes. She told me to to do the interview with her, and when I talked to her, she was sitting up in the bed right next to me, and she listened to everything I said. And I always remember when I got off the phone to her, you know, she had a big smile on her face, and she said, you know, like, I'm proud of you. I was, you know, you did very well, and you spoke well, and... Uh, mm. I think I think she'd do for me, PJ, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember you told me about the time you were down in, was it Black Rock, you went for a walk and said, will we give it a go? <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, geez, yeah that was 20, 2010, was it 2011? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't Black Rock walk, yeah, but I was, uh, the times were bad walk-wise for me and... Uh, I was going out of a job, I was back into the all again and uh, I convinced her then to... Uh, we got Australia shop with the plan. It was only twelve months. Yeah, you stayed ten <laughs> uh, years, and sure, yeah. ten years, ten years. We were there, like, and uh, as I said, we were happy with the two children. Uh, we had our family then, so things were going well. You know, things were starting to finally look look yeah. into place. Um, yeah, before she got sick, like, but um, yeah, yeah. It'd be a tough old weekend, uh, but we, have you have you people around you? You have her parents. Have you, you people around you to get you through the weekend now, John Paul? I have, I have. I'm not really trying to focus too much on on um, on the Saturday, the anniversary. Like as I said, the way I look at it is it's like every day is an anniversary, really. You know, every day is just as tough as the next one. Yes. Um, yeah, I know it's a date, but. Um, Look, I'll see what I might wake up feeling different on Saturday morning, but uh, I've plenty of support. And uh, I have the two children. I have the two children, and I might do something with them, just do something nice with them. And, uh, okay. You know, keep my focus on them for the day, you know? Well, like I said, I was shocked to read that or to remember that it was an anniversary. And for what it's worth, I'll be thinking of you this Saturday, man. I know, I appreciate it, PJ. And as I said, uh, you know, you you were there from the start, actually. When I think of it, like from from the hospital, like so, you know, I appreciate you um, reaching out. And right. uh, as I said, um, it, was always, it was always good to talk to you. All right. Well, listen. Good luck with everything, John Paul. And if you ever need any help with the foundation or its work, you know where we are. Uh, thanks very much, Peter. I appreciate it. Cheers, fella. John Paul Rickon, and yeah. Craig, I didn't know that. <clears throat> I didn't know that uh, the the first interview he did with me, which we pre-recorded because of the massive time difference in um, in Australia between here and Australia. I didn't know that she was near him at the time, and that she just told him <clears throat> to um, to do the interview. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Well, I take the I'll take the break first, and then I'll do that one line two. I'll talk, talk. Bernice, can we just hold on till after the break and we, we'll chat then? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cheers. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Big Rebel Swim takes place on Saturday, the 19th of November at Gary Vaux Beach. A family friendly event, the swim caters to all abilities. Starting at 1 o'clock on the day, proceeds from the event will go towards Focus Ireland.
Ireland, supporting its mission to end homelessness. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With CorkSimon.ie. No one wants their child to grow up to be homeless on Christmas Day. On Cork's 96FM. Bernice, thanks for holding. You were listening to John Paul. Morning. I was, and I know the story you now through my daughter, Michelle. Yeah. She's actually in Australia as well, 10 years. Okay. And they were, they were both friends with Michelle. And Michelle helped him to go fund me for John Paul. Ah, now I know who I have, Bernice. Yeah. Yeah, and then Michelle is the manager of the daycare centre. Yes. Michelle went too. So Michelle then took to her house for a few days. Yeah. She was on the phone to me. She'd tell me their names and she'd say, say hello, I'm now. And he'd say hello, sir. I'd yeah. be heartbroken myself. Yeah, so it's just a desperately sad story, really. Do you know, Michelle used to be bawling. She'd be staring about him today, like. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, and she, she got to know John Paul, um, the wife's mother as well, then because of the kids were going into school. You know, she's coming collect them and stuff like. Yeah, yeah. So, so the awful tragedy, so settled and everything going so well for them out there and then this in her 30s. A disease, Bernice, that you never think can happen to someone in their 30s. Oh, like Michelle was out telling me that she was sick and then she said to me, Mom, she said she was only a few days and she was distraught, distraught over her. I know. You know, the children, you know, children have been there for no mother and stuff like. I know. I know. You know, if you take a glass over Michelle now and then she got involved in the GoFundMe page. Yes. She got in the GoFundMe page then. So, yeah. just said, jump on and, you know, he's doing well. In fairness to him, he's doing well. He's doing great and the foundation is really gathering pace and, you know, pushing for some change on behalf of Susan or in Susan's name. As he says himself, that's, that's kind of his job now. It is, you know, his job and he, he made the job as a social room but he's doing great with those as well. Yeah. Very hard, you know, losing yeah. Susan and then look after the children. I know. Whereas you used to know he's doing that his job and he'll get there too. Yeah, exactly. Bernice, thank you and my best to, to your daughter as well, to Michelle in, in Australia. 0818969696. Uh, Nick says, my own cousin just passed away from bowel cancer three weeks before her 38th birthday. Says Nick, my condolences, Nick. That's terrible. Can anyone find out what's happening to bowel check and breast check? They seem to be non-existent since COVID. It's a good question. Was there bowel cancer screening in Australia? Um, Unfortunately, uh, Susan was discovered after she collapsed at home. There is earlier screening in Australia than there is in Ireland, but John Paul's foundation once it started much earlier, and in fact, once it started earlier here than in either country does it does it so far. And you heard one thing, he gave one example he gave me there of someone who was diagnosed when she was 16 and died when she was only 20. Sincere condolences uh, to John Paul on the death of his wife, Susan. Our daughter, Susan, died of bowel cancer at 32. My God. She was diagnosed in May 2017, passed away December 4th, 2017. It came out of nowhere and left us devastated. Now we, her family, are tested every year to check on us. It would be great for all people to be tested at least once every two to three years. And that comes in from Margaret. 
Thank you, Margaret. 0818 96 96 96. Happy to return to that uh, if you want to. At any point during the morning, you can join the conversation at that number or at 083 396 96 96. And if you just want to make a point, don't have time for a phone call or you don't want to be writing up a big long message, just pop us a voice message. Uh, to that number through WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. Earlier in the week, we were talking about e-scooters and the problems that they seem to be causing and the legal issues with them. And we kind of established now that the e-scooters shouldn't even be on the road. So many of them are on the road but they shouldn't be on the road. Now, I was talking to Neil Michael from The Examiner about the legal situation. There is legislation pending, but it's caught up in the Eroctus, and as you know yourself, nothing there happens quickly, unless it's for the benefit of certain people. Then it happens like overnight or in a couple of hours, but for the rest of us ordinary mortals, things happen very, very slowly. But the general gist of it is that e-scooters are illegal. And I was also talking about, and it's a pet bugbear of mine, people going the wrong way, down a one-way street, going up on pavements, not being lit up, and just generally being a flipping nuisance on the road. And we were talking again to poor old John O'Donovan, who was knocked down during the summer by uh, the e-scooter going the wrong way down a one-way street. John is recovering, thankfully. But it all prompted a call to us, um, from Calvin. Calvin, I think you use a, a, an e-scooter every day. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, I do indeed. Uh, I use it every morning to travel to and from work because uh, where I work, there is no public transport from where I'm living out there. So I do use it on a regular basis, yes. How long is your journey? Um, I, I, by fo- on foot I can walk it in about 40 to 45 minutes but using the scooter I suppose it's about 20 minutes Right. I'm travelling along the North Link Road um, down Spring, uh, Spring Lane um, and out then to the Old Mallow Road Right. You mentioned that you were surprised to hear that they're not legal on the road. I did not know that. I knew there was something about it, um, but I didn't realise until I was listening in um, the other morning when you were explaining it. I didn't realise how illegal it actually was. Um, I have since uh, looked it up. Um, I've been reading into it and uh, I suppose even just for the, I suppose, the scooter that I use myself, um, it's not going to fall into le- under the legislation that they're proposing because my scooter um, actually only goes about, I suppose, the top speed and that is about uh, 21 kilometres an hour. Right. And what they're speaking about is uh, scooters that will travel over 25 kilometres an hour or um, a, a certain weight, I think they said... Um, if it's over 55 yeah. kgs, which mine is not by any means anywhere near that. The whole thing is very much up in the air at the moment. It is. It the other thing that came up and comes up all the time, and look, Calvin, I've seen it myself, is people doing very stupid things like going the wrong way, yeah. up a one-way street, going on the pavement, you know, and not being lit up. Absolutely, PJ. And I suppose, look, I, when I was listening in the other morning and you were explaining it, I was kind of, I was kind of shaking my head because um, I am, I'm lit up like a Christmas tree. You, <laughs> you couldn't help but, uh, but, but not see me. 
Um, I have LED lights on the back of my um, my my rucksack that I use uh, mm. going to and from work. I have LED lights, two sets on that. There's a light on the front of the scooter. I'm also wearing high-vis gear, um, yeah. and, and I also have the uh, the helmet as well. Now, there has been mornings that I forgot to put the helmet on, but um, I try in general to, uh, to use it. But um, going back to what you said, I mean... There, there, there's a guy in particular that passes me some morning and within 20 feet you can't even see him. Like, yeah, yeah. He's gone. You know, he's, he, you, you actually cannot see him. There's there's nothing on him. And to be honest, uh, on my travels there uh, to and from work, I, I've, I've passed cyclists that are that don't even have like an armband on them. I know. That you, you can't see them coming. And especially I noticed it um, on Monday when the weather was uh, really, really bad and the rain was... You know, it was it was bucketing down, and there was a guy coming along in uh, Blackpool, and you couldn't see him yeah. in amongst the rain or whatever. And he's a cyclist. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I I do agree with uh, a lot of what was being said, um, but I think clarification needs to be made on what is legal, what's not legal. Yeah. Um, you know, as I mentioned, like the scooter that I use isn't very powerful at all. Yeah. Um, so even at even with the new legislation, the scooter that I'm using doesn't uh, doesn't fall yeah. under that legislation. It's, and none of my business, it's clearly not going to stop you taking it to work because, like you say, public transport doesn't go where you need to go and it's quite a long walk. No, it, it doesn't. And look, it, 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 I don't mind the walk. Uh, I mean, I worked in town on the South Mall for years and I used to walk in and out of town every day, which is about a 30, 35 minute walk so I'm well used to the walking so yeah. I, like I mean you know there, there's no problem there but I just find especially early in the morning when I you know because I start at um, as about half past five well I'm right. there for half past five right. and even if there was public transport it wouldn't be running at that time Yeah you're on fairly quiet roads then at that time in the morning to be fair Yeah they're, they're, look I'd be honest uh, I think uh, yesterday morning on my way out I think I passed probably two cars the whole way Yeah, you know so it's it's grand going out, coming back then, you see, because I would be finishing probably around uh, the two o'clock mark, then coming back. So it would be busier. Different kettle of fish, different yeah, kettle of exactly. fish and party. Yeah, but come here, yeah. Calvin, I was, I was only saying as well the other morning, like, they take a bit of practice, do they? They do, they do. And like, I mean, to be honest, as I said, like my, my own scooter there, it will go up to about 21, maybe 22 kilometres an hour. Mm. But I don't, I don't um, use it that fast at all, I suppose. Mm. I, I kind of get to about 11, maybe even 12. I've no need to be going 21 kilometres an hour on a, on a, on a, on a scooter. Yeah. Plus, anyway, you actually you feel it. You 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 actually feel it when I'd you're when so. you're moving on it. You know, I see on a cold, wet morning, like you'd get a right soaking up in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like there, there, PJ, there, there are mornings that um, if it's really bad and really windy, I won't even get up in it. I'd, I'd rather walk. You know. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, safe scooting. <laughs> Happy scooting, says you. <laughs> Look after yourself, Calvin. Thank you. No better. Thanks, PJ. Take care, though. Cheers, fella. Mary says the scooters should be treated like an electric bike. What's the difference? We can't have it every day. That might tend to get them off the pavements. I agree they should obey the rules of the road. For the record, I think the way they're being used by a lot of people at the moment is wrong. But we also have to be fair. Yeah, I just, I don't know why, I don't know why it is, Mary. And Calvin seems to be the perfect user. Lit up, like he said, like a Christmas tree. Keeps well within his limits. Obeys the rules of the road to the best of his ability. 
But even this morning, even again this morning, coming in on my way through town, coming in to work, there's a fella coming along a one-way street, merrily and blissfully unaware, A, that no one could see him until he was nearly on top of them, and B, that he was going the wrong way down the one-way. I mean, sort of, what's it going to take for these clowns to realise you can't do that? I shudder to think. 0818 96 96 96. Talking about legislation. I missed this yesterday. Well, I had it in front of me, and of course, like in Egypt, I forgot it. And in a couple of weeks' time, when it's all over the, the main news media, uh, remember the name of Adam Higgins, young Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun, political correspondent, who joins me regularly on the show to talk about political developments within. Leinster House. Adam had a great story on yesterday's Irish Sun. So far I hadn't seen it anywhere else but uh, another issue we've touched upon uh, many times on the opinion line is that codeine addiction and people being addicted to things like Nurofen Plus and Salpidine and all those things and people doing things like um, codeine tourism uh, Dr Nick Flynn on there recently about people going around from pharmacy to pharmacy and pharmacy stocking up and there was a primetime piece about people who used to do just that. Um, Adam's got a story in the Irish Sun that these could soon become prescription-only pills. The Health Products Regulatory Authority is considering the matter at the moment in the wake of recent documentaries and recent news reports. So when, you, when it does become main news, remember it was there. Good man, Adam Higgins in the Irish Sun, tipping that one off before it become because it will become law I've nearly predicted it'll become law because in Spain or in most other places across Europe now you simply cannot get codeine over the counter in Greece it's almost impossible to get codeine I know in Spain you won't get salpidine you won't get neurofen you won't get any of those things over the counter um, you have to have a prescription for them and it looks like we're headed that way too in this country 0818 96 96 96 The Morning Quartz 96 FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play The 10k toy giveaway is on Got, got, got a pocket full of cash we can blow we're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long. Go cash, go, go cash. Cash. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Quartz 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. Listen and win every day. Only on Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, we had that message a couple of minutes ago after talking to John Paul Rick and somebody was on to know, uh, can anyone find out what's happened to bowel check and breast check after COVID? They seem to be non-existent. We've had a call from someone, shall we just say, who's in the know to say both breast check and bowel check screenings are going ahead, but there is a backlog due to both COVID and other issues in hospitals. But just to reassure people, it is still going ahead, which is good to hear. 0818-969696. Speaking of hospitals, on the CUH charity Facebook page at the moment. There is a gorgeous little photograph of a teddy bear. Now, whether he's supposed to look sad or he actually is sad or not, I do not know. But he really looks like someone has forgotten him and he misses them terribly. Claire Concannon, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yes, he does look incredibly sad. Doesn't he just? <laughs> Who is this little dim, little fella? 
Well, we don't know just yet. He was um, left in the emergency department at some point on Tuesday night. Um, he was found uh, during during the night shift into the morning shift. Um, and, you know, he's he's a very unusual little bear. And, and just for that reason, we know that someone is really missing him. Um, someone must be. So we really want to reunite him with his owner. He was found in the paediatric area. So we know it's a little boy or a little girl who has... Um, mislead him um well we imagine so we assume so um but he's an unusual little bear in that he's he almost looks more vintage he doesn't look like a new teddy bear he does that actually makes look he looks you old know? style he does look old school yeah yeah and he's you can tell he's been well loved now he's been on a few adventures with his little humans so um <laughs> yes like <laughs> so he's only sure got half a nose <laughs> <laughs> but he's just adorable. He's gorgeous. And, um, <laughs> He's absolutely beautiful, actually. <laughs> so if anyone hasn't seen him, you can find him on the CH Charity Facebook page, Instagram page, Twitter. We have him everywhere. Um, and we really just want to get him home because, honestly, he's so sad that we mm. just, as you say, he looks so sad. <laughs> what, what size is he? He's kind of he's, he's a kind of a smallish bear. He's me, small to medium. He's he's not big at all. Um, he looks quite big in the picture just the way the angle has been taken. But um, yeah, he's 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 kind of a normal sized teddy bear. But I I think he almost looks like he he's some sort of a vintage bear. I, he's not something that you would have picked up in no. in a shop in the past couple of years. Um, no, so he's, he's very unique. To, yeah, he sounds to me like a little bear that a child might have got that maybe daddy or mammy had before. Yes. and could have been a little bear that was passed down which makes him even more valuable sentimentally so he was found so you're talking in the ED there there's the little children's section inside is that as you go in on the on the right past the double doors is that it Claire? It's, it was in the paediatric area yeah so I'm, 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 I'm not sure if it was the waiting room or one of the bays but it was it was in that area so it was definitely a child and parents who came in at some point on Tuesday night Tuesday evening possibly um, and, and was found between the, the night shift and the morning shift and um, you know I, the thing with this is when you've when a little boy or girl has chosen this toy to bring with them to bring comfort you know like toys are so important to kids and we know that this one is, is much loved um, and, and for that reason we just really it's really important to reunite them because if this is the comfort item for that little boy or girl yes. it's important that we get, we get this back to and, them and, and Lord um, knows if they're, if they're a sick little boy or girl and, and they're recovering from whatever happened to them and they're missing their bear and, and, and no, look, no have, one, no one has phoned the hospital, have they, Claire, to say we missed? Yet. No, 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 no. And I just want to give a, a shout out to the incredible team in the emergency department as well. You know, it just shows how big hearted they are yeah. that they're. You know, this little boy or girl has gone home at this stage. You know, the, the care doesn't stop there. They're still, they still want to reunite the bear with 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 its mm-hmm. human. So for you know, there's a massively hearted down there, and and it just shows the level of care. And we should all be very thankful that that is how caring they are yeah. you know so despite um, being as busy as they time are, to go is... searching for the owner so they asked us to do it so All right. well, we're happy to help you with that we've shared it on our socials now um, yeah we just ask people to share the bear and let's get him home he's gorgeous <laughs> is our message this morning. you'll find him on the, on the uh, CUH Charity Facebook page Claire thank you very much Claire Concannon from CUH Charity he is gorgeous He's small, he's kind of orangey-brown, kind of shaggy hair, and he certainly has been hugged a million times because part of his stitching is missing off his face. And his eyes are... Do you know know what now? He looks like a little bear who just realised he has no money to pay the gas. 
he looks so sad and so lonely and so dejected. He is gorgeous. So someone left him in the emergency department at CUH Tuesday night and in the paediatric area. So clearly a little boy or a little girl. They have him. He's safe. So if there were tears, dry the tears. Let us know that it's your bear or contact the hospital because he's there and he's safe and we don't normally do them but God he is adorable to look at it if I could I'd run away with him myself we had more celebrations last evening Janice I've got some very good news oh tell me you've just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree (laughs) (laughs) when the little one is clapping anyway love it love it Laura, I'm very excited to tell you, you have just won a 500 euro toy shopping spree. Two more winners with Lorraine last evening on the big drive home. We will send forward another qualifier. I think between 11 and 12 we'll do it today. Join Casey and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96FM from 6am. All this week, we've teamed up with Magical Blarney, Cork's favourite Santa experience in Blarney Woolen Mills, to give you a money-can't-buy experience. We've got a family pass to see Santa on his arrival night, Saturday the 26th of November, in Blarney Woolen Mills. Plus, one family will lead the countdown and turn on their Christmas lights and be the very first to meet Santa that night. Stay listening weekday mornings from 6 for your chance to win with Magical Blarney on Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96 FM. There's a good point being raised about scooters and bicycles and pedestrians. Hi, PJ and team. People who move around in black on scooters and have no high-vis jackets or anything like that. These people's faces and names need to be put on a big wall of stupidity for everyone to see. And I blame the guards. I don't care what the rules are. Any guard with half a brain should stop these morons and give them a well-deserved bollocking. There you go. You've written it so I can read it. Guards never do this. At least I've personally never seen one do this. Park outside UCC, say, on a Monday morning and, and just watch and you'll see what's happening. And they should be warning everyone who arrives with no high-vis or no light in their bike or no visibility on a scooter. The following day, you'll have 99% of them in high-vis, I guarantee. Like, they're obviously intelligent people going to college. So what this guy wants to do, you don't give your name, is once guards outside UCC or MTU or anywhere else at all that you can think of in the morning, purely to stop scooters and bikes and pedestrians who aren't lit up, who aren't wearing high-vis, who are going in the wrong direction, who just are breaking the rules. He wants, I think what he wants is their picture taken, right? And then have them put up on a wall, a wall of stupidity. I can imagine the gods of GDPR having a field day with that, but that's what he wants. And he said, guards, and look, it's if guards haven't enough to do, but I take your point. He says, guards should be stopping these people 
and given them, in his words, a good bollocking and maybe put, taking pictures. But it might stop people if they thought. And that's there's the train of thought. Like, the one of the reasons that people can do what they like on a scooter and do what they like on a bicycle and do what they like as pedestrians, but particularly scooters and bicycles, is the chances of them actually meeting a guard who will give them a, a roasting are fairly slim to Middleton. That's because we haven't got enough guards on, on the streets. But point is a good one. Point is, how would you feel about that, though? That if you were out on your scooter or out on your bike and you break the rules of the road, like you take a bike up on the pavement or you take a scooter the wrong way down a one-way street and you stop by a guard who reads you the riot act, takes your picture and your picture goes up on a wall of shame. It's a radical way of looking at it, but thank you. 0818969696. I remember about two weeks ago, maybe less, maybe more, I was reading out a message on behalf of the housekeeping staff at CUH. They were arranging a meeting to see where they would take their pay claim because they have a pay claim. And they felt hard done by because they were watching all those around them getting pay increases and better pay claims and they felt that they had really done their damnedest during COVID and felt they were being left behind and the last I remember was reading out a message a couple of times um, just promoting a public meeting it came up in the Doyle in the last few days uh, brought up by Sinn Féin's Tommy Gould a number of positions in the hospital have had a review of their pay scale and they will see increases in the new year and I welcome that. However, housekeepers are excluded from this increase. This is despite the CUH providing housekeeping services 24-7. They are long shifts, hair shifts off, often with overcrowded wards surrounded by infectious diseases. Throughout the COVID-19 crisis, hospitals like the COH were kept safe and open thanks to Trojan work of these housekeepers and many others. They rose to the challenge during the pandemic when the state and the people most needed them. I talked to Shane and Linda and a couple more from that that, uh, housekeeping staff in a wee while, but let's just catch up with Thomas Gould because, Tom, in the doll, the response you got from Anne Rabbit, who was standing in for Stephen Donnelly, was that those workers you mentioned are entitled to the same public sector pay deal as anybody else uh, and they will get it. So what is the problem? Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, the, the issue here, PJ, is uh, there was a job evaluation done and a lot of different um, of jobs in the CUH, because it was seen that they were doing extra work, they were doing different work, the job had evolved, that they would get this increase for job evaluation. And when it came to the housekeeping staff and the department, they didn't get it. And their argument is, which uh, you probably would recognise, I know most people would, uh, what they were doing post-COVID and what they're doing now is different. The level of cleaning, the yeah. level of, of uh, like the whole disinfection that goes on now. And it's not even just with COVID, you have much more serious diseases like MRSAs and many more. Yeah. And like 
I, I was talking to different uh, staff members there during the COVID when we were really in the height of it. And I think sometimes, PJ, people forget how nervous and fearful people were. These were the people who were sent in to disinfect rooms yep. or go into rooms where COVID patients were. And I'll be talking to a couple up. of them there yeah. in, in a minute or two's time. But just briefly, Tom, before I move on to that, just for listeners, so they are getting the public sector pay increases like everybody else, but what you're saying is that their base pay hasn't been reviewed when others was. It, is that it? Yes, yes. yes. And you're... Okay. It should have been. There was an evaluation carried out, and the evaluation, I believe, didn't take into full account the work that they're doing. All right, let's talk to some of them. Uh, Shane Keane joins me first of all. Shane, thank you Hi, for Peter, going you? through the details here. I'm very well, thank you. Now, Tom makes the point. You are all getting, and the minister and Rabbit Man, you are all getting the public sector pay increase. So that's not not what this is about. But it's about your base pay. That's right. That's right. Like each each housekeeper, as 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 Tommy School said, that each housekeeper well deserves what they get. Like pandemic or after the pandemic, we work very hard and we work very hard right now. Do you know, we as he said, we we used to go into the infectious rooms. We used like we've hick with certified certificates to go into this this field, but we 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 go into those rooms with PPE on us. We're still going in with the fear of bringing all that infection home. Yeah, do you know, and it's 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 a very worrying time. What do you know? what, what do you do, Shane? Your job? Well, uh, I work, what, what is the nature job, of your job? No, no problem. My job is actually auxiliary up right. in the ward. Like so, I work with another colleague, Sally, and we work together as a team. And like for us, the workload's so big on our wards that we have to work together as a team. To so, get what the kind work of things done. do you do day to day? So on a day-to-day basis, I, I fumigate rooms. I I fumigate rooms. I prepare spaces for when patients come up to a ward and when they go home, along with Sally, who does floors. So like we make sure the place is infectious and, and sterile for when a patient comes up. And you have minutes before that patient comes up to the ward. So you could imagine the turnover on a ward in regards to going home, like fumigations in all infectious rooms. Any infectious area needs to be fumigated. That's done on a daily, daily basis, and that's hard, hard work. Yes. Hard work. It's but, but we love our job, and I'm sure I speak for every housekeeper. We love our, we love like having an old banter with the patient. Do you know what I mean? Having a chat with the patient, being a friendly face that a patient needs. Yeah. But we work very, very, very hard. And, and during and COVID, you might have been the only friendly COVID, face that person. We even saw. had exactly like. I'll tell you a funny story if you want me to. But, like, we used to go into, like me and Sally, you know, we used to go into, she'd kill me now if you heard me say this, but we used to go into an infectious room. It could be a six-bedded room, and you would be depressed if you can't see your family. You can't see your family. So we used to put on YouTube, and we'd say, like, what song do you want to listen to today? And it could be now Spanish Eyes by Inkelbert Humperdinck. (laughs) And she'll be on one end of the room, and I'll be on the other end of the room singing to those patients and they'd be singing with us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's lovely, like Shane. That. That's not... But especially, no, that's lovely. We used to go that extra mile for them. But we were, like... But but the standards of work were always still there. We, like, me and... And I'm sure all the housekeeping, we give 150%. Yes. Every minute of every day of our job. 
Do you know? And are you the people like, who serve the food as well and bring things like that around? I assist. I assist in serving the foods with, 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 with the other department, do you know? So, like, that's on top of our workload as well. Do you know what I mean? So the workload gets very, very, very heavy. And, like, how I could, like, I was two years on a, on a, on a ward. I never got COVID. And I got COVID because I didn't get COVID because Sally watched me, I watched her. And yeah. we, we, we obeyed by the HSC guidelines yeah. in the right PPE, we're in the right PPE going into rooms. Yeah. Do you know, that I didn't get it because we worked as a team. And you were spending, and, and, and I, I spoke to nurses and I spoke to doctors yeah. and I didn't yeah. speak, I didn't have the chance to speak to someone like yourself. Yeah. But from, yeah. from like when you're, you were wearing PPE, sometimes you were double gowned and double masked and fumigation. Yeah, we used to wear PPE. On many, many days, and I'm sure other housekeepers were the same from when we come in in the morning to when we go home at night. Wow. And, we, and the only bit of family they had was us because each one would treat each person as if they're, they're our own family yes. in the room. You really were essential and, service. You know, it was an essential service. And PJ, who, who would you think cleans a room before, before a doctor goes in there, before a nurse goes in there, before a patient goes in there? Mm. Do you know what I mean? We go that extra mile, and um, you know, and we're not one. We don't regret one bit because we gave it our all. We gave it one hundred and ten percent. You know, and I'm sure I speak for everyone. Each one of us, like I owe Sally a lot because she taught me a lot of things. Not apart from being certified, she taught me how to be safe in the workplace. She's in it years, so she taught me all the things that she learned over the years. I know. You know, Shane. I, I don't want to be no, intrusive, but like, what what kind of a salary do you guys earn in terms of euro per week for what you do? Well, if you want me to tell you, I've no problem in telling you, but I'd be telling half a cork. But <laughs> but the best I come out with the best every two weeks. I come out with the best of a thousand euro less after tax. After tax. Okay. You know. For what you do, twelve-hour shift—that's that's not yeah. great. Yeah. For what yeah. you do, for what. And you not only not only that, PJ, like yellow bags would be a prime example. They're all bags that are in the infectious rooms. We take out of those rooms, so we we, we tie them the correct way, and we bring them up and we put them into a room. We don't get anything extra for putting our lives at risk carrying yellow bags and putting them into the, the, the holding area. The infection bags, exactly. Let me yeah. sit there, Shane. For me, I'll bring in another no one of your problem. colleagues, Linda. No good morning. Stay there. Good morning, PJ. Hi, How Lin- are you? Hi, Linda. Shane has ex- described really well. You guys are the front line of the front line because at times, Absolutely. at times when, particularly during the paramedic or paramedic pandemic, nobody was let in. You guys had to go in. Absolutely, PJ. I mean, at at the start, I mean, with COVID, we were the first in. We were the first, and we were in it through the whole lot. Do you know? Um, we we initially became patients' family. We made we tried to you know reassure them and to ease their fear, even though our own fear was through the roof. Like we like we didn't know what we were running into, but yes, every day we still got up and we still went in, regardless of the risk. We still went in. Mm. Did did you and catch like, COVID then at any stage? Um, I did, but not while working COVID. I mean, I never I I was never afraid of you know the PP because we were trained to use this, you know, and I was so, so competent in using it. And I, I, I was, I knew myself I could do it. You know what I mean? Everybody else has been trained really well, 
But like our job has completely changed. You know, the stress and even the strains on us now is how keep housekeeping. You know, we're doing a deeper level of cleaning and we're not looking for a reward here. We're not. We're looking for pay that's commensurate for the job we deliver for the standard of cleaning that is now required. Yes. Yes. You know, we're we're cleaners on the front line and we have been prior to COVID, but COVID, you know, has stepped it up a lot more. You know, the level of risk that has grown exponentially regardless of the PP that is, that is provided. Mm-hmm. And this alone has changed the whole dynamics in the workplace for us. Were you were you nervous, Linda, at any time about maybe terrified. bringing infections home like terrified, absolutely terrified. Um like there were times there, you know, I, I did, I went to my car and I cried and kind of went, how in the name of God are we going to do this? How, I mean, how do we keep our family safe? I, myself and my husband, he also works, he works in the ED department and housekeeping. Like we handed our son to my sister for four weeks because it just, it wasn't safe for him to be at home with us. You it didn't got see that him? Bad. I didn't, we didn't see him. We We rang him every day and, you know, we had... No video link, you know, through through the calls, but like it got so bad, we felt at that stage we had no choice but to keep him safe from us. My goodness! And like I'm not the only one that you know people had to had to do that for. You know, we had to stay away from you know from our family. Like you know, I have somebody in my family that has cancer, so we couldn't stay. We couldn't even be around them. You know, that, even that, that. In, even in work, PJ, we all had our own bubble. Like once you went on that ward, and we get, and like Shane said, we were gowned up from the moment we entered that ward to the time we left. Yeah, I know. And, 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 and like, as someone who, and I always said it, and I still do, on the rare occasions that you still ask to wear a mask, like going to a chemist or something, I still hate them. How it must be to be dressed from head to toe in tight fitting stuff that is yeah hot and, and, and like, sweaty and Elastics, it must be horrible. I'm trying to do your job in the middle of it. I mean, the turnover, you know, that has, it has increased to levels. I, like, I'm there 20 years. I've never seen it before. You know, when a patient is no more gone, we're called in, as Shane said, we have to fumigate or deep clean the spaces, you know, and there's patients lined up from A&E already to come into the space. It's crazy. Do you know, you know, and nobody wants to go on and on about COVID, but unfortunately, COVID has changed the whole dynamics for housekeeping in the workplace for us. It has. Well, you know what I think happened, yeah. Linda, and, and mm-hmm. Shane the same, and I'm going to talk to Gillian in just a second. I'll ask you also to stay there, and if any of you want to come back into the conversation, just, just say your name and you can come back in. But what I would have thought is, these are the people who, when you're in hospital, you are the people who are taken for granted. So taken so much for granted now that you explain it, Gillian, bring you in at this point. Uh, I asked Shane about catering. You have more hands-on involvement with, with catering and with bringing food up and down to work. Like, people had to be fed during COVID. So what was, what was it like for you? Good morning. Good morning. Um, literally, I work up in the MSSU department and, you know, we do the meals up there, but we don't, we don't get the help from the catering department. The porters bring our meals up to us. And I personally have to go in myself, which I have work colleagues with me that would give me a hand, but they don't have to. Because we have to serve the meals on our own. We don't have help from the catering department. They don't come up to the side of the hospital. Okay, so the the food is delivered, nor do you have to go and collect it? 
No, the porters deliver it up to us, but that's mine. And after that, it's up to me to sort out who's having what. If a patient's gone home with a new discharge going out, a new patient coming in, I have to go and find out what diet they're on. Yeah. I don't have that extra help as um, Shane has there, as he was saying, like he's assisting. I'm doing the full lot on my own. And I'm in the housekeeping department. And we all gowned up as well. Oh, we we are all single pods, so we were guaranteed we're going to have COVID on the ward. And can I just point out that we have CPE on the ward as well, which is another very bad infection, the bowel infection. CPE. I've heard of that one, actually. It's a nasty one. And and that room has to be cleaned three times a day, which, in my point of view, is we couldn't do. There's a person really on CPE through the ward in the whole hospital. But they might be there every day because we'd be understaffed. We ha- we're in charge of that thing, which we couldn't get cleaned that three times a day because we couldn't take the risk of the other patients. Wow. You know, so that, you know, the, the, where the nurses might ha- give us a hand there, to be fair, and they might bring the bags up to us. But we'd have to go into the end of the shift um, to clean that room. A big yeah. good clean every evening. It was all extra duties on us. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like... It's just, it's very, it's just that we don't get recognised in there. It's very, like, do you know what there now about the YouTube video, which I did enjoy? Yeah. I used to be, we used to, myself now and a few of the girls, we used to um, do video messages to WhatsApp to families to them. Yes. So they'd be able to talk to them in the bed. Yes. Do you know, you can go into the room and I go on WhatsApp, ring the number through the video call. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They basically their family members used to do that as well above. Do you know, and Gillian... The documentaries that we've seen about that time and sometimes that video message, it might be the last video message a person ever yes. had. Like, yes, we, yeah, we, we often wondered who's yeah. holding that phone, who's holding that iPad. It was you guys. Oh, I, I'm, I did it for about four or five patients that I know that were just very upset on the day. And I said, look, I set up something there now for you. I was saying, give me an hour now and I get myself together and we get, we'll make the call. There's no bother. I had no about it. You treat them as they're your own in the bat- in that stage. Of course you do, of course you do. But that must have been so hard as well for everyone. It's very upsetting. It's very upsetting. It is very, very upsetting. It's upsetting for us and it's upsetting for the families. 
Like my son now, like he's eight years of age, like he'd be thinking like, are we going to be okay in there? You know, to that age, trying to explain to them what's going on. Of course, of course. Very hard, very hard. Like, they're going to I, take a commercial break here for, for two minutes. I know that there's a situation in the hospital in Letterkenny, which is very similar to CUH Letterkenny in County Donegal. I'm talking to Shane and to Linda and to Gillian, who are all members of the housekeeping staff at CUH. PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96 FM. I'm talking to housekeeping staff at CUH, Shane and Linda and Gillian, and I'll go to Janice in a little while as well to talk about uh, the job and the aspects of the job. But Tom, you, Thomas Gould, you wanted to come back in for a minute because you think there's a privatisation agenda, is that it? Yes, PJ. My big fear here is you're trying to... The CUH are trying to push the workers into different roles outside. And that means then, the, my fear is that they would either privatise housekeeping or contract it out to one of these contractors that they use in the hospital. Like, we have 200 workers out there, and I was listening to uh, the people talking to you. They're understaffed at the moment. They're overworked. And if, if you're a person who's, who's overworked and understaffed and you're trying to get pushed somewhere else, where they're promising more money. So to me, I think they're trying to push the workers uh, out of housekeeping so that they can contract it all out afterwards. And I don't think it's right. And I think uh, CUH management now have to be fair with the workers. Like, you're listening to the stories, and so are your listeners. Like, people remember how hard the pandemic was. And here we have these workers who've done everything, who were the first people in yeah. to being treated like this and it's wrong. And the last people out at the end of the shift. You just want to make that point. You feel there's a privatisation agenda. Uh, Thomas Gould, thanks. Come back to the the workers themselves, to Shane and to Linda and to Gillian. And Janice, I'll bring you in at this point. Um, Good morning, Hi. The, the work got harder during COVID. Yeah. 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 Um, like this is not about the thousand euro or the percentage of the pay scale. You know what? I was just going to ask. Sorry, Janice, to cut across you. I was yeah. going to ask that question to Shane and Linda and Gillian. Have you yeah. got your thousand euro? Yeah, we, we did. got the thousand euro for the COVID. Right. Okay. So you've got that. But it's, yeah, and it's not about that. It's not about the percentage of the pay scale. This is about the banding, about moving up the ladder. We were on a band four. We're just looking to go to a band three. But before this, um, before the... A band is basically a pay scale, is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So support um, support grades, they, they're on different uh, banding. And we would have been at the bottom, we would have been on a band four with the catering, the portering. Um, so they've all moved up to a band three. So we just want to move up with them. Oh, so hold on um, now. So people who were on the same bandage yeah. have moved up. Yeah. And ye haven't. No, they said that, like, we're still waiting on um, a report to see where we fail. Um, I've been in contact with our union rep uh, in Conley Hall yesterday, and she notified me that um, they're having an appointment on the 28th of this month with the evaluator that they paid independently and to see where we failed and how we failed, because they feel our job hasn't um, hasn't changed. 
But they told us before the evaluation that we weren't guaranteed this that mm. we weren't guaranteed to be moving up the pace. This is the job evaluation process, just there for a sec, Tom. This is the job evaluation process that the Minister mentioned to you in the Doyle is still ongoing, correct? Yes. No, it's actually completed, PJ. And what the evaluation process says is that the housekeeping staff uh, don't deserve to move up the band. And that's why we're completely opposed. We believe they do. And listen to what they've said to you today. How can anyone say that they're not? Okay, okay. Thanks, Thomas Gould, again. So this is just to clarify this now. I hate to be wrong here. So so Janice and Gillian and Linda and Shane, so people who were on the same pay band or pay scale as you guys were pre-pandemic have been moved up. But you've been told effectively... You're not worth moving up. Not exactly. No, exactly. After what no you've done for no the No housekeeping company. department well, nationally done. got it. Wow. How does that I, make you feel, Linda? I feel so as if literally I was good enough. To, we were all good enough to run into the fire, but now it's like you're just tossed away. You're just not. You we're not acknowledged. We're not asking for much. Acknowledge the job we do. Like, would there be much difference, Gillian, between the band you're on now and the band that your other colleagues around you have oh, been lifted up to? Definitely. Like, we're just not being recognised inside there. Yeah. Because we're always at the bottom. We're always fighting. We're always going to be fighting for everything. We fight to get a holiday. We fight to get money. We fight for this. We fight to find out what hours we've left. And other departments that I know of can walk in and get, be asked a question they could get the answer within the, the end of the day. But us, no, we have to fight again. Uh, Shane, as you said, and yourself and your, your colleague, Sally, yeah. that you mentioned, like you were the first in when a patient uh, PJ, leaves and the last out. PJ, in my opinion, I'm only here three years and I've never met such a wonderful team of people in the housekeeping department. They make you feel, the workers, they work, they're great friends, great buddies, you know, but like... Many a times you'd have a down day during the COVID. Peter, we were at, we were some a uh, good nearly everyone was the last phase a person saw before they passed away. I know that, and I only realised so, that a couple of minutes I, ago. And Shane. like, and uh, uh, like as as my colleague said, like I was often cleaning a room, and I often heard them saying goodbye on a tablet to their family. Do you know what I mean? And you'd still go in and you'd say, "You're looking oh. great. How are you?" Do you know? And like. But then there was people that left and went home after after COVID. That was the success stories as well. But yeah. like, if we are the backbone of any ward we're in, we're the backbone from the person on floors to my to myself in auxiliary. Where the face a patient would remember if they couldn't even remember their own family, they remember you. And, and you come in on your day off, and they remember you. You were off today, were you? I goes, I am. You know? I know, and as I just, I think was it Gillian said it to me like that. Sometimes in watching the documentaries that were made that we all watched on prime time and other programs, that sometimes you were the person holding the tablet or holding the phone for the last call. We were, yeah, we were, and you know, like. But then you're going home, like I the mother, and I'm sure everyone worships their family and adores their family. I adore my mother, and the last thing I want is for her to catch it off me. 
you know? I know. Do you know, it's, it's a desperate worry to bring all that home and you're, I used to come in every day and you're saying to yourself, is this the day I'm going to catch it? Do you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember going home and doing the 10 metre dash, literally <laughs> get in the door and literally run up the stairs, the whole bathroom be cornered off and you're literally stripping, putting your clothes in bags separate so that they could be kept away from everybody else, do you know? I had to change, I had to, I had to change in the porch. <laughs> yeah, it was literally, at one stage, my husband was saying he's going to get a pop-up tent so he could just step into it. <laughs> and and, it, and I, I remember, lads, talking to, to nurses about that and, and, and doing that. And I'm guilty, I must say here, I'm guilty of not realising it wasn't just nurses and doctors. No, it was he all were, of us. You were no. stripping off in the, in, in the, in, in the shower and, and running to the shower and yeah. changing your clothes yeah. and doorways and oh my God. Like we were the ones that had the place, PJ, disinfected before a doctor even goes in. We were in there. There was no one... Like with, without was, housekeeping, a hospital, any business can't operate. It can't, no. You no. can't do theatres, you can't have patients coming into, you know, an unsterile environment. You, you can't do it. So therefore, we are one of the most important I'm not saying we are the most important you know above anybody else but without housekeeping you just you just can't do it I think what you are lads and um, this has been a most interesting conversation <laughs> you're a whole sector within the hospital that it's so easy to take for granted like our hospital is it's a huge you hospital it's is. a huge hospital do you know and you have you, an, and you're in, you're in every Janice, are you in every corner of it? Like you could be anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to go off a small bit on something else. I'm go just on. going to tell you about. Do you know before the job evaluation started, um, we weren't. They told us that we weren't guaranteed the results, and um, so then they were telling management, "Oh, we'll ta- we'll go into talks about ward catering after we get the evaluation." I just feel that the whole thing is planned out. Um, so I asked on the phone yesterday to the union rep who said that we can't appeal this process and she said to me Situ and management had an agreement that they'd that be that there'd be no appeal. Well okay well I, I mean we d- like I, I don't know that but I I'm gonna take your word for that, but that's a very strange that, that's a very, very sort strange of... why you would agree to something like that. And then we we received a letter, uh, all the members in housekeeping last month. Yes. Yes. To our HR management, um, explaining that we're all upset and um, can we come into talks now about um, the ward management? We don't, or the ward catering, we don't want to talk about the ward catering. We want to get paid our job evaluation for the job that we've been doing prior to COVID, during COVID and after COVID. Give us our banding for that and then you can go into your talk and recognise us for what we've done all the time. Okay, okay. Like I call him on Micheál Martin and, you know, Minister Donnelly. I mean, you're all, you know, at the start, you know, you acknowledge exactly what we did, you know, and, you know, that round of a clap, you know, we won't go there. But I'm asking you now, you know, you know, step up for us. We stepped up for you. You know, we're asking you now to step up for us Yes. Give us our job evaluation. Give it to us, please. 
Can I you know, put to the four of you, and I, I, I don't wish to be in any way insensitive to what you've been telling me here, but in, in the interest of the conversation that we're having, someone's just said on the phone, and any one of you who wants can take this, it's easy to say what you do when you're on the outside looking in, but if they get more, does that mean somebody won't get their operation because it all comes out of the one pot? Does anybody want to take that question? Or will I will I throw it over to Tom? Tom, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you take that rather than the four lads. Yeah. What, what what would you think? TJ, no. there are people, there are workers up in the hospital who've got this evaluation and are going to get the money in the new year, and we welcome that. All these workers are looking for is equality the and fairness. The and the person that you're talking about who sent in that text. The, the HSE and the government are, say, are not saying they can't afford it. What they're saying is that these workers don't deserve it. And what we're saying and what what you've even recognised, now listen to their stories, Absolutely. they do. And like, the, the point I want to make is I believe that the HSE are trying to contract out more and more work. Right. And we see at the moment there's, there's hundreds of jobs not filled in the CUH because the terms conditions are so bad. And uh, uh, one of the workers made a comment to me yesterday about the cleanliness of the hospital. They're short, they're understaffed up there, and they're at the pin of their collars. And they're looking, they want to do the job. They're willing to do the job. It's just that the HSE, and this comes back to the HSE management once again. And PJ, if if it's not waiting lists, if it's not people looking for scans, it's just the way they manage the, the, the HSC at the moment and I believe these workers are being treated unfairly. Okay. All they're looking for like if you're, Well if all you're they're looking for Tom if you're listening to, my, to, to themselves if I'm listening to them correctly and, and I'll, I'll come back to them just to wrap up but if, if I'm listening to, to, to them correctly workers who were on the same pay scale as they were yeah. pre-COVID yeah. have been moved up and they've been left behind. And what you're telling me is that they've been pretty much told you're not worth the increase. And PJ, during the height of the pandemic, the minister, the first minister for health, Simon Harris, was so impressed. He did. He tweeted it. I remember, I remember that. He, he, tw- he tweeted it. So the ministers did recognise it. And all they're looking for now is that recognition to be actually... Well, what, 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 it, what it takes so is for Stephen Donnelly to effectively to turn around and tell the HSE to, to, to pay them. Uh, Shane and Linda and Gillian and Janice, thank you for telling us about your work and for, for any of us who might have taken your work for granted. We're sorry yeah. that we did. Um, Can I just say one more thing, PJ? Of course. Sorry, no. Who's that, Janice? This is Janice, yeah. yeah. So all the support grades, every single one of them, that got it deserve it 110% yeah Yeah. absolutely I agree if these support grades you cannot have a hospital I feel we're the backbone of the hospital oh yeah you're like the bricks and mortar holding it up lad you're like the steel in the walls we hold it up yeah I think if you should give it to one support grade I think we should be up there with them Um, it would be interesting as well to see any new contractor people that are getting contracts coming in, working in the HSC, now in the COH, are they getting a contract of a multitask worker as yeah. opposed to a 
housekeeping contract yeah. or a catering contract. It would be interesting to yeah. see if they want to get a contract of a multitask worker. Yeah. It's, it's it's all kind of complex when you get down into that nitty gritty. But 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 thank you. You you you've all given me a huge insight and given listeners, I think, a huge insight into what you do day to day. Um, Shane and Linda and Gillian and Janice, thank you all for being with thank me this morning. Thank you so much. Sure. And thank, thank you for what you, you do. Thank you for thank what you, you do. Thank, thank you for what you did. And thank you for what you continue to do. Thanks. Thomas, before you go, someone's just phoned up there um, wanting to know. Jerry says, are people working in <clears throat> Section 39 jobs entitled to the thousand euros and have they got it yet? Thomas? Sorry, PJ. Yes. Listen, PJ, we, we've been between myself, David Cullen, Mary Lou raised it a few weeks ago. Just people still waiting. Thousands uh, It's just, uh, yeah, and like here we are now a year after the government announced it. It's, it's, a sh- it's a shambles. And for people, you see, PJ, you can't go out and make statements that you're going to give people a thousand euros and then not deliver it. People have been waiting on that, especially in the middle of a cost of living crisis. And some people who thought they were getting it aren't getting it now, while other people who are entitled to it are still waiting. So, like, we are trying to keep the pressure on Stephen Donnelly and the government to deliver this because, like, it's... People are waiting on it. They need it. Okay. All right. Leave it there with you. Uh, Thomas Gould, uh, Sinn Féin TD for Cork North Central. And thanks in particular to Shane and to Linda and to Gillian and to Janice, who all work in housekeeping in COH. I, for one, sometimes on this programme... I learned from a conversation. I certainly learned from that one. Tom says, at the greatest of time and respect for all the staff, it just seems to make no sense they're excluded from improvements made to others on the same pay grade. It reminds me in a way what happened with the National Learning Network. The decision not to give them a bonus was very random. Well, that got reversed, Tom. We were talking about that last Friday, that they didn't get the 500 euro bonus on the disability that was identified over the weekend as an oversight and they will get that money now but it's a good point that you raise if the staff aren't getting any extra then god help us contract cleaners we barely get minimum wage we do infectious cleaning clean room theaters etc we never got a penny for covid we're running to the ground because we have to clean 10 times more than ever before and rightly so but it would be nice to actually be treated with respect for the work we do. We don't even get a box of chocolates for Christmas from our employer. It's all very disheartening. 0818969696. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with the latest in Cork's entertainment. Husband and wife duo The Remedy Club, comprising KJ McAvoy and singer Aileen Mython, have been described as Ireland's best-kept musical secret by Hot Press magazine. They return to Cork on Sunday for a rescheduled show taking place at Collins with tickets available on the door. Access all areas. The Winter Festival, Quiet Lights, taking place in venues across the city from the 24th to 27th of November is an exciting and well-loved winter festival with a big heart. This year's event features, among many others, Martin Hayes, John Francis Flynn, Aoife Nessa Francis and Elaine Howley. Access all areas. If you have a gig, show or exhibition coming up in Cork in the coming weeks, drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You can reach us on AAA at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Cork's 96 FM. What we're going to do is we're going to package up the audio of uh, this last conversation that we've just had and send it off 
to the office of the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, and let him hear what the workers had to say for themselves. Also, in on WhatsApp, voice note, Phil wants to join the conversation. I think cleaners in general are undervalued, obviously, particularly during COVID in hospitals and nursing homes and wherever. But in general, I think the work that cleaners do is undervalued in all areas. After all, we none of us want to work in a dirty environment and we depend on the cleaners to come in and we walk into our offices in the morning, lovely and clean, lovely and fresh, and that's physical work. And I think the rate of pay is appalling. Never mind what they should be receiving now, having done so much for us all during COVID. Thank you. Good point, Phil. Thank you indeed. And if you want to get your say... Uh, just like Phil did. 083 396 9696. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. And thanks to the all-new Frasers at Mahon Point Shopping Centre, I've got 200 euro gift cards up for grabs too. Listen in for your chance to win every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. OK, let's jump straight to that story that broke there on the 11 o'clock news. Damien Sreenan is the uh, presenter of the other Three Amigos podcast and, of course, former vice chair of Cork City Football Club. The news that broke there at 11 is that Cork City FC has provisionally accepted a bid from a businessman called Dermot Usher to purchase the club in its entirety. And this is subject to an approval by Forest members at a special general meeting. Morning, Damien. This has come as a bit of a surprise to us. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yeah, it, Jesus, it's it's frantic, I can tell you, at the moment, between every Cox City fan around the place and Forest member. What, what, um, what more can you tell us? I suppose, look, the statement that came out was it, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, he's, he, you know, the guy, Dermot Usher, he was, we, already we've, we've seen that he tried to he was part of a consortium that went to the Shrine by Dundalk a few years ago and possibly Bray. Um, but, you know, he's outlined some pretty good stuff. He wants he wants the club to be back, you know, uh, going for trophies, which is probably where we, we, we should be. Uh, he's going to invest in the women's. He's going to get a director of football in to oversee everything. Uh, he wants to end gambling sponsorship, get it back into European competitions. And, and I suppose more importantly, that he would take uh, immediate ownership, but Forrest would still remain guardians and he'd leave a sum of money uh, to Forrest, you know, to keep the trust going. Um, you know, look, really exciting news, I suppose. And I think with the, the, the news recently that Grovemore, you know, decided not to take over and uh, we were kind of left in the lurch, I suppose, thinking that 
you know, however they might take over the season, we're back in the Premier Division yes. and we, we'd be challenging. But one, I suppose once Forrest kind of said, or once Grovemore kind of said, no, we're not. I think a lot of us, you know, a lot of Cork City fans, you know, we, I think the realisation that we're not going to be able to compete with the big boys, you know, the likes of Shamrock Rovers and, yeah. and Derry and yeah. all these. We yeah. just wouldn't have the budget yeah. because I Forrest mean, just wouldn't be able. Getting promoted is a fantastic achievement and we were oh, all brilliant. thrilled here for everybody at the club when, when that happened. But realistically, the difference between the bottom of the, 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 the Premier Division and the top of the Premier Division, the business Huge. end of it, money yeah. is involved and investment is involved. Yeah, I mean, look, I suppose we were going to say, like with Forrest, you know, it's fan owned, so we're never going to have the money to compete with the, the bigger, and get into Europe, get into Europe is where all the money is, you know, and you've got three teams there getting in this year, Shamrock Rovers, um, uh, Shamrock Rovers, Derry and, and Dundalk, and, you know, if we don't get in there, you know, you're going to be a mid-table team, you'd be, you know, up and down the yo-yo club with relegation and stuff, so... We had been, I suppose, kind of said, okay, look, are we going to be a yo-yo team until someone t- kind of comes in and tries to buy the club? And mm-hmm. so this came and it came out of nowhere. Um, because realistically, look, Cork City under force, you know, and I know we did it before, we did it in 2017, it was best times ever, look, you know, 2018. all those been a club without Forrest, Damien. I'm old enough to Absolutely, yeah. Look, Forrest, Forrest saved the club, you know, um, and... They've done an amazing job, you know. There's been ups and there's been there's been a few downs, uh, and of course, with the club being you know saved by Grove Moore a couple of years ago, um, we would be again for us, the board of management at the time. You know, they, they took the steps needed that to make sure that we stayed mm-hmm. as a club, and um, you know, it's it's like Cork City, we're the best supported club in the country. Yes, um, great fans turns across from the best places to go, uh, proper Friday night football. Um, and I suppose, you know, crowds are a huge part of it. And if you are down the bottom of the Premier Division, your, your crowds are not going to be, even, you know, even though we were in the First Division this year, our crowds are fantastic. We're getting, you know, 4,000 people to turn us across, which is unheard of in the First Division. Uh, but had we gone up and we were down in the eighth or ninth position, your crowds would have dropped to probably, yeah. you know, one and a half thousand, two thousand. Crowds are fickle at the best of times, but. Yeah, yeah we are. Cold. We're the worst people in the world. Um, <laughs> so so this goes to a meeting on December 4th, and yeah, that's right. you can see it being approved, can you, Damien? Do you know, I, I, I don't know, I suppose. What we'll have to do is, I mean, a lot of Forest members are very conscious about, you know, owners, because uh, I think, with, you know, with Grovemore, at the time, we had to take. I think we were left with kind of no option, but we have to, you know, take them and accept them. Um, but obviously, what what's happened in the past with, with previous owners, um, forest members will, will listen, you know. It's, but uh, the board of management, uh, you know, they've put some serious work into it, and, and uh, you know, I think we're we just need to trust and see what yeah. what they say. I think they're yeah. they're quite confident that they wouldn't have accepted it. I don't think had it not been. Um, Really, really promising. I'm around long enough, and in a previous life, I travelled a lot with the club to European adventures. I'm around long enough to know just how much one European adventure would be worth. Just one flipping match is worth, yeah. you know. So, yeah. getting into that kind of qualification position is what you'd be setting down to do. And you're going to need, you need, let's face it, Damien, a, a club needs a sugar daddy in 2023. Yeah, well, yeah, we, we, we do in, in, the, in the Premier Division, definitely, you yeah, know, the you top know. three. The, Shamrock Rovers have massive investment Derry have massive investment Dundalk had you know they've got big money and for for Cork City to be where it should be and to compete we're going to need some you know we're going to need an investment definitely and what what this guy Dermot Usher has put forward it's all very good and it's all very good in black and white but we'll you know we'll see on the 4th of December how 
he'll be grilled, I can tell you. Well, he'll be we'll grilled see, if we'll, he's there. We'll see where it goes. And no, no better group of people to Not grill anyone than Forrest no. and the members of Forrest. Damien, thank you. Damien Sweden, he's the presenter of the Other Three Amigos podcast, former vice chairman of Cork City. The news breaking this morning, if you are a, a football supporter, the news that Cork City Football Club is being bought or is proposed to be bought in its entirety by a businessman, very successful businessman, called Dermot Usher. It's subject to an approval by the members of Forrest on the 4th of December. Let's return to our previous topic of conversation, which was the cleaning staff in CUH. Shane and Linda and Janice were on, uh, making their point in the last hour about their pay grade and how others around them doing the very same job or others around them have been moved up a pay a pay grade and, and they're not. Uh, Gillian was there as well. Joe, you were listening. Morning. Good morning. Would uh, like to yes, say. I, yes, I just wanted to say I've heard a little about this in the past but listened to it in more detail this morning. I've, I just found it ironic that the government hadn't, the TDs had no problem taking their 6.5% pay raise yeah. and yet these people behind, which is a lot less than their 6.5%. Yeah. So they need, to, they need to back up what they have said previously. And there was minutes of silence for all the people who were, who were helping during the pandemic. I know there's nothing. I just, I just think they're hypocrites. Do you know the thing that I learned, Joe, that hit me the hardest when I was talking to Shane and Linda and Janice and Gillian was that sometimes, you know, we all watched, I'm sure you did, we all watched the documentaries and the news bulletins and stuff like that. And we all saw those heartbreaking scenes of someone on the phone to dad or mom or auntie or granny for the first for the last time and and what we learned was it was Joe or it was, it was Shane and Linda and Janice and Gillian and their colleagues holding the phone I mean there's nothing more frontline than that is there no absolutely not absolutely not uh, to go up on a, a mic and give speeches and say this or that is nothing unless you're right there on the front line I mean that was heartbreaking to hear those stories it was. It was. Joe, thank you. Thanks for your call. 0818 uh, My dad was in Ward 3A and COH for four weeks in October 2021. This from Sandra. He had sepsis. Despite COVID visitor bans, I had to go in and care for him every day. He wouldn't engage with staff because he has dementia. I was dressed in PPE every day. Movement was very restricted. It was the housekeeping staff that kept me sane. Every day they made sure I had enough fluids to keep Dad going. They gave me water and cups of tea. And as Dad is non-verbal, they'd come in and chat with me. But they never ignored him either, treating him as a normal human being and having the bit of banter with him. They'd keep an eye on Dad while I ran to grab a sandwich. In short, they just helped us enormously survive that stay. I don't know if it's the same Shane that you have on the phone. I suspect it is. But we had a Shane on Dad's ward. He'd brighten our day no end with his sense of humour and kindness and sincerity and care. But most of all, his downright normality. Well done to each and every one of those hospital staff members, says Sandra. Hi, housekeeping staff at Letterkenny University Hospital have just listened to you and listened to the CAUH housekeeping staff on your show, listening online in County Donegal. We support you 100%. We're fighting the same battle up here. It's unbelievable. We've not moved up a band like the others. Well done to you all who spoke on radio. Uh, There's lots and lots and lots 
Uh, here's a disgrace. The workers in the HSE are not employed directly by the HSE. I presume they're all working through a recruitment agency, says the Baldy Barber. Well, well, these are these are actual staff, Mick. These are staff. These these people. HSE still hasn't paid Defence Force swabbers the COVID payment of thousand euro either. It's a case of eaten bread is soon forgotten. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six and plenty more coming in on that. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. Your next move matters, so why not move better? Start your move to permanent TSB today. Apply in-app for our award-winning current account. So don't just move bank, move better. Apply in-app today. Applications for Explore Current Account in-app in sole name for over 18 personal customers. Residents of Republic of Ireland only. Fees and charges, terms and conditions apply. Awarded bunkers.ie Best Current Account 2022. Permanent TSB PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Uh, Santa, come here. Christmas is coming. Me and the reindeer can't carry you around the world in that condition. Ho, ho, ho. Better get ordering that home gym from Stone Gym Solutions at the Kinsale Road. Time you replace those sleigh bells for kettlebells. <laughs> StoneGymSolutions.ie For all your fitness equipment needs Now taking deposits for Christmas The Sandstore Black Friday sale is now on Up to 500 euros off Samsung big screen TVs Get a free soundbar worth 269 euro With selected Samsung TVs For huge savings on Samsung Get to our new store at Market Green in Middleton Blackpool, Sarsfield Road or Soundstore.ie Your voice matters and your vote is important In order to secure your say in shaping Ireland's future, you must be on the electoral register. The way we register to vote has changed, and we're asking everyone to visit checktheregister.ie to confirm their details. Checking, updating or registering has never been easier. So, whether you're a long-time voter or a first-time voter, visit checktheregister.ie. The easy way to secure your say. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. At Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles, we put safety first. If you drive a van for work, you should too. A road safety authority study revealed more than a quarter of fatal and serious injury collisions involving a light commercial vehicle occur between 4 and 8pm. Remember, tiredness kills. Stop safely, have a caffeinated drink and take a 15-minute nap. Keep moving safely. With Volkswagen Commercial Vehicles and the Road Safety Authority, help drive safety home. Visit volkswagenvans.ie forward slash advice. At Martin A. Harvey Solicitors, we understand that suffering a personal injury can be a daunting and stressful experience. Whether it's as a result of workplace, motor or public liability accident, we have an experienced team of specialists to guide you on every step of the way. To learn more, call us now on free phone 1800 396 396. Martin A. Harvey and Company Solicitors, serving the people of Cork for more than 80 years. To meet the Quartz 96 FM Street Fleet. Heading your way soon. Join the Street Fleet.
Street Fleet this Saturday at Douglas Village Shopping Centre from 12 till 2. We'll be there to celebrate the magical arrival of Santa Claus on his horse-drawn sleigh with music, fun and lots of giveaways. That's this Saturday from 12 at Douglas Village Shopping Centre with Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Courts 96 FM. A lot of love coming in for those staff at CUH. I'll come back to that. Also, Aiden on Cork City. Aiden says, a blessing in disguise. We need a completely new team for the Premier Division next season. Thanks for that. Christmas, I've seen a few Christmas jumpers around already. I'm glad to see them. I'm glad to see them, but thousands of you help out every year with Cork Simon to help homelessness by wearing your Christmas jumper to raise vital funds. And once again, we here at Cork's 96FM have teamed up with Simon for Christmas jumper days. You can do them anywhere, any place, any time. You can even do them online if people still do that thing. Uh, no one wants the child to grow up homeless for Christmas. So hosting a Christmas jumper day in your work or your school or wherever will help. Uh, it's more than just a gift. You get a fundraising pack by going online to corksimon.ie and then you can join us at Cork's 96FM to help fight homelessness in Cork this Christmas. Speaking of Christmas, I love to see decorations going up and the pubs and the shops and the businesses around town are putting their lights up and I see the lights going up in town and as I drive in in the morning I like to see the work going on. I love Christmas, and I love the way I love the way people get into the spirit of things nice and early. And then, of course, the Grinches are online, uh, saying, "No, I don't want to see any lights. It's not December. Take down your lights. It's only November." Putting up, no, it's not. I hate that. You can keep that for yourself. Shout that to the moon. I don't care. I love it. And then I found this thing online. Um, Tiny Buddha official. There, a social media site but this was written by Donna Ashworth and I love it and it kind of struck a chord because I've often said to you how much I hate the dark and the damp of the winter and the nights are only getting darker now and the mornings are getting duller and the weather is getting worse and we're heading into winter and you know yourself so before you roll your eyes this is written by Donna Ashworth before you roll your eyes or judge the early Christmas decorators let me tell you how dangerous the dark months can be to those with rocky mental health. Let them bring in more light. Let them do what they need to bring to feel something. Let them be in the here and now, seizing the moment, doing no harm to anyone. They're quite simply lighting up the darkness and creating joy where none exists. How wonderful. How wonderful. Little bit of cheer. No harm in it at all. Catherine, you'd agree with me, I think. Can you agree with Donna? Good morning. Hey, how are you? Thanks for uh, chatting to me. I, I lo- I'm like you. I love Christmas. Um, I think, you know, when you start to see the little the lights coming on and all those little sprinkles uh, dotted around houses and shops and stuff, when, like you say, you're in the midst of November. It's dark when you get up. It's dark when you go to bed. Mm. Dark when you go to work, etc. It's just lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it brightens up that 
horrible dark six weeks of, of the year when the evenings are drawn in the mornings never seem to arrive it's dull <laughs> it's wet and the little like you said the, the little sparkly window but the point that's being made here is don't be rolling your eyes when you see someone yeah. doing this they may have a good reason for it Big time, because look, I think, I think, uh, like, there's a lot of stress around at the moment. I think there's a lot of emotional vulnerability, and I think it's whatever, whatever makes you smile. I mean, like, I think we can all admit when we look at fairy lights or we look at Christmas tree lights, I think for the majority of people, it does make you smile, even if it's a small smile. Mm. So I think it's looking at where do we all get our little chinks of light? Where do we get those little moments in our days that just take, you know, add a bit of lightness and yeah. take us out of maybe the stress and the pressure that we are feeling. And that's why I think, you know, like you say, I think it's just appreciating it's going to be different for everybody. And, um, you know, I think some people, I've seen it lights up already, which is, you know, which is great. And I think it's, you know, everyone to their own, um, and I think it's embrace it, embrace it for what, how it helps you. When when you do know? you start yourself? I start now. My big one will be the end of November. That's um, my kind of start. Where you know the the duvets, the Christmas duvets come out, mm-hmm. the Christmas cushions in the sitting room. Yeah. <laughs> would, would, you, um, would you do it within time for the toy show? I, I don't. Have, oh, you, have, yeah. you, have you toy show people in the house? Oh, I do. I do. Well, I have two teenagers, but I have one who's toy show age. But we all watch it. Yeah. So you know they'll have their PJs, they'll have the selection box, and <laughs> that's probably a bit of the you know it's the start. You know, yeah. um, but it's, it's that kind of it's tradition, isn't it? Too. You know, it's like it's we all tradition kind of brings a bit of comfort, I think, as well. So for us, I guess the the late late toy show, I'd say, they'll even be twenty and thirty, and they'll be still watching it. You know. Um, yes, uh, I'm. I'm not a child anymore, but I'll watch it. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When we all do, because there's always. I mean, it's a great. Um, there's always a lot to offer on the late late yeah. um, on that toy show. I think, and it also gives you a moment to kind of stop and think about what other people are experiencing, because yeah. you know that's certainly any time in life can be quite humbling for many of us. Yeah. So it, it, it kind of does, it kind of heralds the start and it kind of heralds the run in. But I, I love what you're saying, like the message is, if someone is putting a few lights on or a tree up mm. this week. Go for it, go for it. If that makes, I've seen, I've seen um, a, a lovely apartment on the, where I bring the kids to school and they have huge lights up. And one of my kids was like, oh my God, it's so early. I was like, isn't it lovely? Isn't it great? My, my wife collects nutcrackers and I'm almost afraid to count how many we have <laughs> we, we have one guy he's four foot tall and he stands inside the front door like a sentry <laughs> that's brilliant isn't it and, and, and we have they're everywhere but that's that's the little that's the little um, traditions um, that you have in your household and you know everyone's going to be different and I think it's just they're they're what the memories like I can remember always going with my dad through the fields picking holly to make Christmas wreaths Um, you know so every time I see I see holly now I, I think of my dad you know they're all those lovely memories that we all 
um, associate with different, it may not be Christmas, it can be other times of year, but certainly Christmas is always a poignant um, time of the year. And I know for others too, um, it can also be a really tough time, you know, if you've lost people, um, you know, and so forth. It can be a really emotional time of the year. So I think it's looking for those little chinks, that is what I always say, the moments that make you smile. Is it too early to wish you a happy Christmas, Catherine? <laughs> Well, I think now that might be pushing us. <laughs> well, in case we don't talk again, yeah, happy yeah, Christmas. you can ring me back for that. <laughs> with, the, and with the nutcracker standing beside you, <laughs> Catherine. Thank you. Take care. Yeah, I thanks, Catherine. I I have to say, I it's never too early. Uh, I I love all these people who start complaining when they see chocolate Santas in the shops. In, in October or September. I say, yeah, so what? You can't start it too early. You can't. Because, let's face it, it's a dark and dreary and horrible time, the run-up to Christmas. So the little bit of light and the little bit of brightness puts a little bit of cheer into it. i tell you something myself. I put in during the summer, uh, put in new lights out the back. I spent my evenings out, you know, wiring them and testing them and I was really happy with them and I put them in on a remote control and I was going to take them in for the winter because I didn't want them getting wet and getting damaged or whatever but I've decided not to take them in I'm actually protecting them with bags sandwich bags over the over the bulbs to keep them dry and I'm going to leave them out and you know why I'm going to leave them out because in the evening when I hit my remote control and they come on it's just a little cheer bring light where there's darkness and that's what Christmas does, and that's why I love it so much. And have you been to a market? Is there a market open yet? When will they be open? Claudia, good morning. Hello, good morning. From the Mitchellstown Business Association. You'd agree with me, I think it's never too early to start. It's never too early, especially for towns and villages. I think it's really important to have the lights up to feel good factor, as the other lady was saying, you know. Mm. Mm. Even if you don't want to put it up yourself, We'll provide it for the town. And it's great to see, as you say, kids going to school, seeing the lights, Santa Claus, the whole Christmas tree. Yeah. Mitchellstown is switching on this weekend. This weekend. And as I was saying yesterday, I was talking to the elves. They're all getting prepared because they're all accompanying Mrs. Claus Mm -hmm. and Santa. Um, And we have some special guests on the night. So, yeah, it's a big event. Yeah. Then there's a Christmas market as well in Mitchellstown. The Christmas market is the weekend after, one thing at a time. (laughs) So that we have something, you know, lead up to Christmas, something for all the local people to do and somewhere to go. Yeah, you had a very big, um, a very big turnout pre-COVID. To the market? Yeah. We did. Um, The market's always very popular. It's the only big market we have in Mitchellstown. There is other markets in little villages. This one's just a bit extra special because it's got locals and people outside of town um, from all around. It's just very unique handcrafted items. Yes, yes, yes. Well, have good luck with the switch on this weekend. And good Thank luck, you. Good luck with the market. And like you say, another person like myself and I think like Claire, who believes it's never too early to start. It's never too early to look forward. Claudia Matassa from Mitchellstone Business Association. They're having their switch on this weekend and their market, their Christmas market, is from next weekend at their St. George's 
Arts and Heritage Centre. 0818 96 96 96. Back to the housekeepers, PJ. I work in the medical device industry. We worked throughout the whole pandemic. All we got at the end of it was a tax bill from revenue because our company availed of the TWSS scheme. Absolutely ridiculous. And on cleaners and housekeepers and those associated staff, we are the ones that clean up body fluids. Doctors and nurses save lives. We have to handle control of the infections and all of the waste after it. Sometimes people forget it. Well, to be fair, I don't think a lot of people would have realised it. Uh, that's, and that's true. You, know, you don't realise these things until you're told them, which is why I think that Shane and Linda and Janice and Gillian have done a fantastic job of public service this morning by telling us exactly what it is they do. Because I don't think, I certainly wouldn't have taken into account all that they do until I had a chance to chat with them earlier. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Corks 96FM. Yeah, listening to KC there, plugging the, 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 the Disney Plus series and the sus... And I started watching over on Netflix. I started watching The Crown, myself and the Queen Bee. Started watching The Crown the last couple of nights, season five. It's great. It's so beautifully, beautifully made and lavish. Like, they spent millions per episode putting it together. Now, Prince Charles, not quite cutting it. I'm not, I'm a, I, I don't know. There's something not working about Prince Charles in this particular series. But I'll tell you one thing. The, the actress who's playing Princess Di, uh, if her name isn't already written on an award somewhere, there's no justice because and season five of The Crown, as you'll know, is about times that many of us remember and many of us have very clear memories of, of those times. And she has just absolutely nailed it. It's uncanny, actually. It really is uncanny how perfect she's got uh, Princess Di. It's worth a look on the, the Crown on Netflix. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now up at Grail Skull Feg Sayers, they are working hard to support the Street Angels, which is one of a number of different groups supporting homeless people uh, in Cork, and uh, they've chosen to help the Street Angels this Christmas. Evan O'Brolachan is a teacher at Grail Skull Feg Sayers. Dismira, good Evan. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Ah, Tommy, good Anyway, with a few days, a few weeks to Christmas, we'll do the best we can. Why have you, why have you chosen Street Angels and what is it you're going to do? I suppose they're a local-based charity, really, that, that supports local residents. And we as a school kind of recognise that it's important to give back and to kind of help the people who've helped us along the way. As a school, we've really got a lot of, you know, help with promoting the Irish language and providing a safe space for the children up here in the north of the city. And we really just wanted a chance to give back to our locals and to the residents of the area, you know. So last year was our first year getting involved. Myself and my class from last year, which were around the car, our fourth class. The kids actually were really the ones who kind of took, it, took charge of this and were kind of the ones really who had the goal to help people. And um, we created support boxes with just kind of necessary items, food, you know, hats, scarves. Things like that that people may need. People may be struggling to come up to Christmas. Just to give people that extra helping hand in that pack, pass in the back, you know. 
So this year we decided as a school, a whole school approach to actually do it, not just one class, but for the entire school to actually help out our locals and just the people that, you know, just the friendly faces we see on a daily basis around the streets there. What goes into a box, Evan? So just kind of tinned foods, um, gloves, hat scarves, maybe socks, maybe a couple of treats for any kids that may need things, maybe a toy for a child, just necessary items that can provide people with a bit of warmth, a smile coming up to Christmas. Yeah, and I, you're already, I think, inundated with stuff, but... Oh, my classroom is bursting, bursting with things at the moment. We've been so fortunate. The children have really, really done a huge effort. They put a huge effort in their parents alike. So, yeah, my classroom is bursting with things at the moment. Mm. And then when will they be When will they be given out, Evan? Hopefully around the first, second week of December, Hazel from Street Angels will pop up to the school. She'll meet a few of the kids and then we'll be able to distribute them. Okay. And anyone, it's, you're reaching out to the community to put together these things, to give to the Street Angels, to give back. You, you like, it's important, and I guess as a, as a teacher, Evan, of, of, of youngsters, you know, mm-hmm. teaching the importance of giving back in, in a world where so many people don't. Exactly. I think it's really important just to, as basic as it sounds, just to be a good neighbour, you know, to look after our own, to keep an eye out for everybody around our area. As I said, school up here, you know, we're part of the community and we really, really do appreciate the people that are around us and we do want to give back to them, you know. Okay. All right, Evan. Well, if anybody wants to donate, they can up at Glasgow Fixers. And Maureen from the newsroom, Maureen Tuig, is going to head up and to chat with you all someday soon. And no doubt we'll, we'll, we'll hear that here on The Opinion. And Evan O'Brolochan, a teacher at Girls Cult Fixers, where they're getting Christmas boxes together for the street angels. Speaking of Irish, um, did you see where Alexa... Alexa, you're getting an Irish accent. She is. From today, I think, if you get the latest software upgrade, Alexa will have an Irish accent. So she will. I'm loving it. Like, what is she going to say? What is she going to? Alexa is going to have an Irish. Now, it, female only. Uh, customers said apparently they wanted an Irish accent for Alexa, um, and according to Dennis Stansbury, he to be their county man, their country manager for Ireland. So they got a team of language experts, as you do, and created a number of different accent variations. And they tested them with natives to define the final accent. So, Alexa has will have an Irish accent from today. What do you do? Do you just ask her to have an Irish accent or to talk to you in an Irish accent? Because she's got that kind of lovely, posh, schoolteacher accent. You know, the English one. But can you? she can have an Irish... I think Alexa should have a Cork accent. You know, I think... I think Alexa should have a, a Cork accent accent. Yeah, it's in the settings now apparently. And when you pick Ireland it'll just default to the new Irish voice. Otherwise you have to you have to set it up. The, I think you have the app on your phone and you can do all that but Alexa with an Irish I think there should be a Cork Alexa. Do you know? Cork Alexa. Like, Alexa, will you play a Christmas song? I will, yeah. That's what you want. Alexa, will you play a Christmas I will, yeah. That's what you want. <laughs> oh, 0818. I know. I know, sorry, sorry, sorry. Thousands of Alexas have now woken up. I used to do this last year just to annoy people, particularly the people who don't like Christmas and people who think you shouldn't be playing Christmas music. Will I do it again? Alexa, 
Play Driving Home for Christmas, Volume 10. <laughs> 0818 Now, one thing we need to do is get the turkey booked. Because there could be a shortage. Now, this is a story that it's either blown out of all proportion or it's something we really do need to worry about. Because of bird flu, as you will have known in the last couple of weeks, all birds, all poultry and game and stuff have been taken indoors to be protected from bird flu. And there's already been one outbreak of bird flu which has caused a huge flock to have to be destroyed so, Gerard O'Leary is from O'Leary's Poultry in McCroom. People are worried, Gerard, and could there be a shortage of turkey for the Christmas dinner? Morning. No. Uh, Major. There could, yeah, there could, there could be a shortage if, if bird flu did break out in any more big, bigger houses where there are big numbers of turkeys. Like in the UK, you know, they have massive losses, like one particular farm, they lost 64,000 turkeys there maybe five or six weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, it could happen here. There's a lot of tur- turkeys now, and if it, if it breaks out in a place, it'll, it could spread like wildfire. Yes. And there wouldn't be enough time to rear them up, to, you know, if there were any replacements, they wouldn't be there to have them ready for Christmas. Yes. You know, the time scale is so, so short. It is very, very contagious, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. If, it, if, 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 if one bird had it on site, uh, the whole lot would have to be culled. Right, right. Now, and then there would be a 3K zone, then oh. anyone around that has poultry, whether it be small scale or large scale, uh, commercial or backyard flocks, they'd be monitored as well. And I think it's, I know it's three or four weeks, then that there'd be, um, you'd have to wait before you could restock. Right. And if there was any outbreak in, in that area, or in that, uh, we say zone, uh, they would be have to restart it from that again right. another three or four weeks from that whenever that a right. fresh outbreak would be. And and but, how how old, Jer? How old is the average turkey that gets plunked on a Christmas table? Well, I suppose there'd be there'd be hatch around July, right? In the June July, so. Uh, so maybe less than six months. Right, right. Yeah, so they're 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 young birds are flat, and they're fat. It it's it's not contagious to humans or dangerous to humans, is it? No. It's it's it's, it's very low risk to humans. Like once 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 uh, once once uh, poultry is cooked properly or eggs are cooked properly. But I think there was in Spain in the last few weeks there was a, a two poultry workers were confirmed with it. No, to what level, how serious it was, I don't know. But it, I think it was in Spain, two poor, two poultry workers. But mm. um, yeah. it, 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 if it didn't mutate, it could. Like, but yeah, 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 yeah. It, it is very low risk. Well, we, we, we know what can happen when, when viruses jump from, from animals to humans. So the, the, the less yeah. said about that, the better. The other thing about it is, and the minister ordered last week that all... Poultry had to be brought indoors. Now that has put up. Has it put up the cost of preparing them for Christmas? Like, will the will the turkey be more expensive this year, Ger? It, it, it'll be. It will cost more. Like, cost had already gone up throughout the year for everything else. But when they're out, out and about in grass, obviously they're not going to be. They have the grass teas. No, they they're in more. You'll have to you'll have to supply more feed to them inside. Like, 
and all the other the cost of it is just if they get stressed from being when they have less space yes. you know, they, they could turn on each other too that's the, the other cost yes. animal welfare issues you want you know obviously you, you provide them with forage or maybe straw or something to pick at or uh, cabbage with the, they, they like pick your cabbage or nittles um, to distract them like but if, if they didn't have enough space that that is a factor they can get stressed yeah like are you is there concern in the industry now Jared, about it spreading like are you very nervous that you could hear of it well yeah. it, 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 it's very easily spread like even on our farm at home no, we wouldn't leave anyone in uh, for poultry they'd collect them from a, a certain point but after that they couldn't come in like we would have biosecurity in place like but just no one yeah. no one comes up into the farm just you couldn't risk it yeah, I know you don't want to sound gloomy at all, but no, know? like it's it, like once 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 you adhere to all the measures, you know, and have disinfecting points out, and yeah. like, but I suppose backyard flocks they could get easier if they're not if they're not contained, like you know, mm. if they're not if they have access to wild birds, like it is, I think it's more prevalent waterfowl like ducks and geese, but yes. any bird can have it. I see, I see. And one thing that's very important, I know that they were saying from the Department of Agriculture recently that if you're out walking the dog and you come across a dead board, for goodness sake, don't go near the board, don't let the dog near don't the board. Don't yeah. report it. Yeah, there's, there's a good few cases uh, in County Monaghan at the moment. In fact, I think they've had to, they've had to call a flock up there. And that's, yeah, you know, 3,800 turkeys, I think, in, in yeah, I think it's Monaghan, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And that's right, poultry heart of the country. Oh, that's chicken cabin. capital. That's capital. That's the capital of chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, Palamine, Palamine works in in the food game, and he said like that there could well be a shortage of, of chicken um, packets and and the, just regular chicken in the in the new year if this doesn't doesn't improve soon. Good there luck, be, and like yeah, go ahead. I was going to say even before there was bird flu, there was there was a shortage of turkeys. There was fierce demand for turkey chicks. Do you know, like this year, now if we had more turkeys, we would have sold them. All right. So, um, um, we'll have to all start booking and making sure that we have the turkey nailed down, as it were. Ger, thanks, Ger O'Leary from O'Leary's Poultry in McCroom, and I wish you a good festive season and a successful one. Hopefully, the, the nasty lurgy doesn't get anywhere near your flock. PJ, you My Alexa is next to the radio in the kitchen. It keeps the dog entertained while I'm at work. The neighbours, the, the radio does. The neighbours will be thinking I'm blasting Christmas songs. Can you... Alexa, stop! Ah! One of the sayings that she'll have in her Irish accent will be, ah, sure you know yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, my son gave Alexa the man's voice. In America, you can have Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. I'm old enough. If anyone who's old enough to remember Blake Seven, I wanted to have Zen's voice, if it was ever possible to have the voice of Zen. But probably not. All right, that's it for today. Program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Alexa, stop. Come on, Quartz ninety six FM wants to fill your Christmas with fun and play. The ten k toy giveaway is on. Got, got a pocket full of cash. We can blow. We're giving away loads of 500 euro toy shopping sprees for free. Listen to Quartz 96 FM all day long. Go cash, go, go cash. Cash. For your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win. To win. Quartz 96 FM's 10K toy giveaway. Listen and win every day. Only on Quartz 96 FM. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.